Welcome to Off the Circle and this week's episode with Joe Mack. Joe is the Swiss Army knife of technology here at Indy, and we're going to be talking about IT leadership and all things IT with Joe. entrepreneurs and business people learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way off the circle the indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before all right and so here we are for this week's episode Um, we've got a couple of people that you're going to want to meet around the table First of all, directly across from me, from Zynga's Home Solutions, we've got... Ben McCann. Good to be back. All right. Good to have you here. Thanks. That's right. You were on one. Yeah, yeah. 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 He he was the the featured guy. Yeah. I'm Harry Howe with Howe Leadership, and to my right, we have... Doug Carr. You guys know who I am, so uh, that's all I'll say. (laughs) So, Joe, um, tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, sure. <laughs> My name is Joe Mack. Uh, I do uh, a lot of technology kind of focused enterprise level uh, consulting. Uh, main areas of focus these days are cloud, DevOps, and leadership. I uh, try to keep it up at the nice uh, enterprise transformation type of level, but uh, I get down in the weeds, uh, depending on your point of view, either either more or less than I want to, but uh, some some most weeks it's just enough. So Joe, you have been on the indie technology scene for many moons. Um, what, how did you get your start in technology? And tell us a little bit about uh, some of the early days in your career uh, in the IT field. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to give the short version of this. Uh, it's an interesting story. Um, if the beer was flowing, it might be more interesting because it would include a Ross Perot uh, imitation. Fantastic. Not, not quite Dana Carvey level, but uh, but I am proud of it. But it's, it's not happening. What? No beer. Come on. No Ross. Sorry. If you got two chickens in a barn and one of them escapes, <laughs> you only got one chicken left. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I went. I love Ross Perot, by the way. I oh. voted for Ross Perot. So, oh, so you're the that? one. Yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> so uh, that's a good inter- impression. There. Was it? That, yeah. yeah. Not bad. It's yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You knew him, so <laughs> I did. Uh, so, so um, I never knew that I wanted to get into computers. I was an army guy. I was West Point graduate, just slaving away in the army, doing congratulations. My thing. Thanks. Yeah. I went to. Um, what can best be explained as a secret handshake hiring conference, academy graduates only. And uh, all the big consulting companies were there, and Perot Systems was there. And, and all these other places, um, like big consulting companies and financial management firms, uh, would just take your resume and, hey, we'll have somebody get to you. Uh, Perot Systems was, they take, take your resume on... Uh, day one and day two, they had a ballroom rented out and they would have two pro systems guys on one candidate, hostile, get in your face, 
interviews of, you know, giving you tough questions and making you sweat a little bit. So he was kind of really invested in um, building out what he called his future leader program at the time. It was something he had done at EDS. They were, we, it was at the time within about six months of the non-compete being lifted from EDS where pro systems could go after EDS's clients. So he was, he was building up his program there and he, he gave a keynote first day of the, of the, of the conference. And he basically said, don't do the voice. Don't do the voice. <laughs> what did he say? Don't embarrass yourself. Come on, do it. So, so he <laughs> said, uh, he said, well, I got, I got two ways that I can bring people into this program and let them have success. Like I can take people that know about computers and I can teach them about leadership. That'd take me about 15 years. He said, or I can get people that know about leadership and teach them about computers. And that would take me about two years. He said, so guess which one I want to do. Yeah. That's why I'm here talking to all you Academy graduates. I want you to come join my program. Uh, so I did. Was- was Ross Perot a veteran? He's Naval Academy grad. Naval Academy Class of grad. 59. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And for people listening that aren't familiar with the military, um, Annapolis is the Naval Academy. West Point is the Army Academy. And they're, they're the Ivy Leagues of the military, basically. I mean, the, it's the, the top of the top. So you went straight from, um, you went to the Academy uh, and then uh, served, did you say eight years? Six years? Uh, yeah. When you get out of the academy, you have a c- commitment. Um, it's some combination of eight years. I think now it's six active and two reserves. It was five and three back in my day, but I did all eight active. Now, any any systems-related stuff while you were active duty? No other than um, it was uh, – I got out in 98, right? Okay. So it was a every organization in the world is like, hey, we, we need – something this thing called a website when we need one right and my boss the colonel at the time said hey our brigade battalion both both you know our brigade of which you're on my staff for captain mac and all of my battalions that answer to me we have the ability to have a website you know the the they said hey you have to go coordinate with this guy that at the time, the Army, uh, the Signal Corps, right, the Battlefield Communications was in charge of also the IT and the websites and all that other stuff. Yeah. And I said, well, hey, I, I wrote some extra special, cool, you know, basic <laughs> code when I was in high school. Yeah. I said, Let, I said, I'll check this out. And I was instantly, yeah, I was, I was volunteered. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, you know, take a step forward, and all those other bastards took a step back, and there I was, volunteered. Uh, but I was instantly drawn to, um, you know, I liked the, uh, I always like, I always liked the programming, the, the deconstructive process of, yeah. I, I have to accomplish this. You know, they always use the, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Right. I like that part of programming. Yeah. yeah. Geez, this looks horrible. And time-consuming, how do I do it? Well, it's easy if you break it up into yeah. 50 chunks of smaller things that, that seem not quite so daunting. Couple that with um, my background in BASIC, and now I was in this brave new internet instant gratification world of, you know, save the file, go in the other window, 
hit F5 and it changes right. instantly right. instead of having to write code for two weeks <laughs> and then see it change. Yeah. And maybe you got it right and get to see it change, <laughs> or maybe you got it wrong and the you know, the computer, right. she laughs at you. you know? Yeah. So um, that was kind of, that was the only real technical stuff that I had done prior to joining Pro Systems. And I was not super technical when I joined him either. I was in his... Um, Back what used to be called um, re-engineering, business process automation, business process re-engineering. He had just hired the guy who wrote, literally wrote the book, Jim Champy. He had hired him away from CSC, and he was running that group that I joined. Mm. Uh, so I was a no-kidding process guy for yeah. a couple of years, which, um, as the story goes, it's kind of like being a redneck. You cannot wash it off. <laughs> uh, so you have to deal with it. Um but most clients are happy to deal with it because I'm the guy that's going to call timeout. Let's go to the whiteboard. Yeah. Draw that process for me and start asking questions. Why is that box here? Why is that arrow coming out of the box? Why is there only one arrow? Yeah. Is it always a yes? Is it not a no? Right. Well, no, it's always a yes. Well, then why do we need that box? Yeah. And, you know, as a consultant, well, that box is Fred down on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> you just said we don't need Fred anymore. Yeah. But in my consulting bubble... I don't see Fred. I, I leave and, you know, right, you Fred goes and home and kicks his dog or whatever. Yeah. Burns the place to the ground <laughs> because you didn't. Yeah. You took his red. Yeah, stuff. but I'm on to the next one. I'm in my bubble. So so now now you now you're at Pro Systems and we should we should pause because there's gonna be young people that are listening to the podcast that have no clue who we're talking about. And and so and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but but Ross Pro was obviously uh, uh, early, early, early entrepreneur in the uh, client server space, um, massive, you know, wealth, uh, everything else, uh, probably more well known for the epic story of his employees getting caught in a third world country. Um, and the American government wouldn't go save them. And he hired special forces teams to go do it for <laughs> him, which is um, you can't get any more American than that. Right. <laughs> That's a movie. It is a movie. It should be a movie. Um, but and uh, and uh, I mean, it just showed what kind of leader he was and what his dedication was to his people. Because from my understanding, it was expensive what he did and and uh, for those folks. So pretty pretty epic. And so I always had respect for him just for that. That when the government didn't move, he said, "Okay." We're going to take care of this and get our people back, and he did. Wow. So, and, yes, he did. And I, so, you could add more color, obviously, from the pro, from the pro system side on how that launched and you know and took off and everything else. But well, but, and, and of course, as you point out, his his people would go through walls for yeah. him. I mean, he yeah. he was the company. He he was the prototypical leader um, that we're kind of here to and talk it was a, about i think it was probably the the probably the last time that we had someone that was took a high percentage of the vote for a third party too because he was independent mm -hmm. he wasn't yep. he wasn't republican or and uh, he, he was famous for approaching everything like a business problem yeah yeah so, yes so, he was so, I love I loved his uh I, and I'm now I'm reminiscing but his admiral that he had for vice president Stocktail, Stocktail. Jim St Jim Stocktail who committed the only 
unpardonable sin in this country. He was horrible on television. And, and he cost Ross the election, possibly. But maybe. He was so but horrible the, on television. Debate, My hearing aid's not working. Can you say that again? I love it. Just what you want in a vice president. But he had the best, uh, one of the best punchlines in the debates of all time, and that was the the Republican and vice and the Democrats were going at it, and the and he hadn't said anything the entire the entire debate like it was just the republican going after the democrat back and forth back and forth back and forth and at, at one point i think it was a newscaster you know was like you know admiral stockdale do you have something to say and he goes yeah this is why i'm here because of- <laughs> <laughs> and he just pointed at the two fingers at him, and i was like yes <laughs> so yeah it was yeah that cool. was a I love that guy. Yeah. When was that? That was early nineties. Eighty eight. It was eighty eight. Ninety two. Wow. Which one was? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it was ninety two because eighty eight yeah. Bush won yeah, right. and it cost it him the reelection. Yeah. 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 People 92. said. Yeah. People that said it, it yeah. Ross broke so, cold voice away from. So my roommate. So this is this is a digression, but we're here. So. Well, we're still talking about leadership, yeah, and I exactly. think it all applies. So. So. Um, the, the way that, that um, the future leadership program worked at Pro Systems is you would go out on a client site for six months, learn about computers. Then you would come to the mothership in Dallas for three months. Couldn't bring your family or anything. And you would be, be staying in this corporate apartment, roomed up, and have class all day and do project work all night. And my roommate, right, this guy it was from Detroit. So basically, Ross... In the campaign in 92, had um, basically two campaign managers, each one of them responsible for 25 states. One of those guys was my roommate. Wow. So I got to have it broken down for me in song and verse that how true it was that he drew equally from both yeah. parties. And, yeah. And it, you know, he didn't, he didn't cost anybody anything. Right. right. If anything, he made a bunch more woke people yeah. than there used to be before that about how it works and how it was never intended to work that way. Yeah. And unfortunately, what time is it? It's still working that way. And, yeah. And, well, and, you know. he didn't have, he didn't have, you know, I, I don't, uh, I mean, he, he lived long enough, but, he didn't come back around for the, another try. You know, I think if he did, he might have gotten a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But And that's what we need, obviously, if, is if we ever hope to get a third party, it's not going to be in the next election. It's going to be it's going to take multiple before people are comfortable with a third party vote. But do you think but, that he paved the way for what Donald Trump did? Because honestly, Donald Trump really isn't a Republican. And he was yeah, a Democrat prior to him ever getting on the Republican ticket. Yeah, I was joking with voted. people. I was giving surprise. I was just telling someone that yesterday. They were like Trump and those conservatives, and I was like, he's not he's a not conservative. a conservative. <laughs> he obviously, I mean, I mean, I think Trump looked at what Perot did, and he's like, I'm going to do this smarter. Yeah, and I'm going to find one of the parties that'll. Yeah, be I'm not the sure he did. I'm not sure on. he did it smarter, but. <laughs> Well, he did it. He's the freaking president of the United States. Well, I think what he had that Ross Perot didn't was people knew Donald Trump's name for Mm -hmm. 10 years, you know, and Ross Perot. Or longer. You know, only people that were in big business, you know, knew Perot systems. And And he was was also, uh, I think you can't overlook, I mean, this isn't the purpose of, you know, this discussion, but he, he, Perot was one of three and Trump was one of two. Yeah. So I think. I think the fact that he was the de facto endorsee of yeah. one of the two major parties, yeah. you know, was yeah. was a huge help in that regard. Also, 
Wow. Well, it must have been. I mean, I mean, I, I'm jealous of you to to spend time at Pro Systems, right, and get recruited for that. That's that must have been one, epic. Uh, one one more one more story, and then we'll get into yeah. the into. Harry said he wanted to try to stump me with some <laughs> leadership quandaries. Um, but uh, to get into that program, you, you interview with Ross himself. Oh wow! Um, and of course, he asks every illegal interview question in the book you know yeah. you're, you're a good christian fella ain't you you know you got a family family man you know, look at you are doing it your wife pregnant <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> no well you need to get her that way or, you know. <laughs> but but the and that part is really cool and he's just really nice and but so you're sitting there and ross is at his desk and behind his desk is a painting spirit of 76 you know the the drums the marching civil yeah, war yeah. soldiers the one of the two most famous paintings probably in the history of this yeah. country. So you're talking the original painting. There's only one, and it's right there behind Ross wow. Perot's desk. And you're, and you're looking at it, and you're like, man, that's awesome. Yeah. You turn your head 45 degrees to the right, and he's like in this little cubby. And on that wall right next to him, Seward's painting, George Washington, $1 bill. There's two of those, one in the Smithsonian, one in Ross Perot's office. Wow. And that's your interview to get this job. Your first civilian job that you've ever had, other than McDonald's in high school, right? And, and it's, it was a little. I was a little nervous. Yeah. But, you know, it, it it was it you know half an hour just you and him, and it was fun. And then when you graduated from that on-site part of the program in Dallas, it was another. It was another uh, where you went and spent the whole, you and your class, and there were eight people in my class. We went and you spend the whole day with him. Yeah. at his office and he sits in the room with everybody for a while then you go have lunch all together and then after lunch you all get like another half hour just you and ross in his office talking about that's something. the the, cl the closest i got and nobody knows who i this guy is but frank Patton senior uh i got to go through a leadership um a corporate leadership program with him and frank Patton senior was he was the founder of the weather channel and uh he owned the paper back in, and he would have, he would have actually, he actually would have beat Ted Turner to CNN, but he got throat cancer. And, uh, and, and so he, he didn't go after the 24 seven, but he, he literally transformed cable TV because the weather channel was the first channel that actually the cable companies paid per household to get in. And, and so that wasn't the model before, you know, and, uh, and the, Cable companies typically didn't pay anything to the, uh, but otherwise it would have gone under. But just being under someone that's a obviously a multi-billionaire, and then getting that realistic, you know, kind of feel uh, from them um, is is it, 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 I look back at it and I go, wow, what an opportunity! You know, Ross Perot's on a whole lo another level, but it's that's a, awesome. It's amazing how many of those guys or gals that so few of them get there to that level by accident. Yeah. And everyone always says, oh, you know, it was so down to earth and it was so nice. It was so engaging. And it's like, well, if you've yeah. talked to people that have met those people and that have ever had the opportunity to meet them or travel in those circles, they're, they're all that way. Yeah. yeah. I had a, uh, a quick, quick story. I had a, so my, uh, representative, my, my member, from my hometown in the House of Representatives, it was a guy named Sam Gadenson uh, in Connecticut. I went to to see him speak 
Um, it was like a, I think all the people that had been selected, if you know what boys state and girls state is, where you go and you do fake government for a week or whatever. Um, I had been selected to go to that. So I went, we all went, we heard him speak. I waited in line afterwards and said, hi, my name's Joe Mack. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Nine months later, no contact with this guy whatsoever in the nine months. He was, he was at the ribbon cutting for a Papa Gino's pizza restaurant in my hometown. And I was there afterwards just kind of waiting in line just to, to yeah. pay my respects. Cause at this, now I'm uh first time I was a junior. Now I'm a senior thinking about wanting to get his endorsement to get into West point. Yeah. He's sitting there talking to the mayor of my town and I'm kind of just off in the periphery and he goes, Hey, Joe Mack, I'll talk to you in a minute. Nine oh. months after. <laughs> and he met me for 30 seconds. And it, that's what it, it's a, you know, yeah, it's a, most of those people aren't, you know, don't get in those positions or more, probably more importantly, stay in those positions, you yeah. know, by accident. Yeah. And they're at least, you know, engaging and down to earth and, and, and that kind right. of thing. Well, it's about people. Yep. I mean, if you it's care all, about yeah. people. Yeah. It's all, it, and that's, that's a good, that's a good segue, Ben, right? To, to get us back on track, right? <laughs> Is the, the people and the relationships side of it. Uh, that is the most important part of of leadership that there is, right? Is was, the relationships that you mm-hmm. build, and the you know the communications, especially. I'm, I'm so ninety nine percent of the problems in the world, including business relationships, company to company. Think about the world today, country to country. Yeah, it's all about communication. Mm-hmm. Right. You said what? You said what about you know? Yeah. The, I think we think the border is at the 38th parallel. We think it's at the 39th parallel. Yeah. Uh, well, we never said that. Well, you, I thought you said that. Well, yeah. well, why have we been at war for 80 years? Yeah. You know, it, well, it was a communication problem. <clears throat> well, and that, you know, yeah. bringing into technology, right? One of the things that I always notice, uh, it's very rare in technology companies because some of these technologies are so new. It's very rare to see someone with really good leadership skills. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I'd say in in um, you know, I've been working in in all kinds of companies here in town for 15, 17 years now. You know, and I'd say you know Scott Dorsey was probably you know he was the one you were talking about. Like you, when you meet that person, you know. You know, he was, he was that, that guy, you know, but other people I saw really struggled. They struggled to communicate with their people. They struggled with sticking up for their people. They struggled with, um, you know, I think uh, you go into, you know, when you jump into a leadership, like when I jumped in, when I was a, a kid basically and managing people, you know, I thought, okay, treat everybody equally, uh, you know, make sure everybody's, you know, covering all the regulations. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, I had all these misconceptions about what leadership was. It wasn't telling people what to do, you know, and, and it came back to, I, I think the first book that I read, and then I went through that leadership course and everything. The first book that I always tell everybody to read was first break all the rules by Marcus Buckingham. Cause his, his big thing that came out of that scientific study of leadership was, Look, you're the leader. <laughs> mm-hmm. Figure out what kind of toolbox you have and figure out how to utilize your tools well and and stop trying to make everything a hammer or everything a screwdriver 
and and figure out what you have and it totally twisted my mind on how I should treat people and what I should expect of them and it ruined me for life as well I would say because I then I go into these young tech companies and I sit down with my boss and my boss says here's the three things that I really want you to improve on in the next quarter you know and I slide it back and I go I'm not going to do that you know I suck at that <laughs> sure. and, and they go uh and I go, yeah, don't make me do that. I'm never going to be good at that. Give me something that I'm going to be good at, you know? And it kind of ruined me for life. That's why I'm self-employed now. <laughs> but you're, you're unemployable. But, you know, what, what did I think it, you've rubbed uh, off on me too much because it's, <laughs> it's hard being accountable to George and Todd and some of the people that I'm now in business with because I was that way for so long. Yeah. And, and when I give them that pushback, the other guys in the room, yeah, like what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You can't say that you to the boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, the, and this is, de, de, so depending on on the culture, right, and the personalities involved, this it doesn't always go over very well, right? right? But but I am of the opinion that you should hold everyone that's in a position of leadership in your organization. Now, it goes without saying that you would hold your subordinate leaders, you know, those that are in those, those that lead people, but are below you, hold them to the same standard that you hold yourself. Right. The tough part is holding the people above you to the same standard that you hold yourself. Right. Now you have to use slightly different language when mm. you, when you express yourself yeah. that way. Right. And, and, um, so Lead in leadership, just like lots of lots of things. One of the things I always I always like to say is so excellence can can sprout or grow at any level and radiate out. Yeah, mm -hmm. including with leadership, it could including writing better emails, yeah. including keeping your desk clean and not looking like you know not making the office look look so crummy or whatever. Yeah. It can start anywhere and radiate out. And one of the issues. Right is that um, ego comes along with with leadership in in too many cases. And yeah. you, know, you are below me in the org chart, so therefore you must know less than me. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm gonna, I, I'm going to keep mixing and bringing up credos or mottos or stuff like that. So you kind of combine that with the actions speak louder than words, uh, you know, type of thing. It's like don't. Don't tell me and everyone, whenever you're up in front of the group, that, you know, I love you guys. You're so smart. And, it, you know, and I hired you because I'm, uh, I'm the, you know, not afraid to be the dumbest guy in the room. Right? Yeah. And then, you know what? We all came in a room and you are so the dumbest yeah. guy in the room, but you're acting like because we're all below you in the org chart that our ideas are not as important as yours. Right. So you, you don't have to be a jerk about it. Right. You know, your leadership position should carry that with it. You don't have to reinforce it and be a jerk. That's not how you inspire people. That's not how you motivate people. Yeah. And it's an another thing, bringing it back to what you had said, Doug, about, about the tech companies and not, this isn't a, a, an affront against young people. Yes. Yeah not an affront against millennials or people that have leadership in the technical thing, but, but everyone's looking for the next unicorn, right? 
And these people go from what is qualified as waiting for success to having success in what seems like the blink of an eye. And it's like, hey, I grew this from me and my buddy Dylan living off our parents' money in my basement, coming up with this great way to trick Google. Yeah. You know, it came, I, you know we went from that to having 200 people working for us in two years. I must be an awesome leader. Right. 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 The, the example I use, so, so I worked for a Silicon Valley software startup in the late 90s, right, when I left Pro. The guys running it had sold a software company in 1995 to, you remember, Bon, the Swedish uh, CRM company, B-A-A-N. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they had, their their product or software thing became like a module of Bon, right? And so these guys are, you know, like, we sold a software company. We must be awesome leaders at building, growing, and selling a software company. At the time, I probably had a three-year-old cousin that could have grown, built, and sold a software company for multi-millions of dollars because that's that's what you did. That's what everybody did. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't spit without hitting a software millionaire. Right. If you, you know. were early to market, the chances of you getting bought yeah. were, you know, 100%. How yeah. did they do the valuations during that time? Uh, it they, just makes no how sense. How do they do them now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So these guys, so these, they, it's really weird. So they ended up getting bought, right? But it was it was a plan of they were going to repeat what they did right. when, bond, when Bond bought them. However, you know. It was, they ran the thing into the ground and, it, you know, they had a couple rounds of layoffs and then the three founders got paid, but no one else did. Right, you know? right. And so it kind of, it, it, it kind of goes back to that, you know, let's not, and it, it, you see that a lot in tech, right? Everybody around the table, you know, is, yeah. not that you can tell that we're all a little long in the tooth just by looking at us, but we've been around and we've seen, seen some things yeah. and, and we kind of, and it's, re- you said it right. You, it's not disrespecting youth. It's it, absolutely not. Like I, the thing that I love about working with young people is that a lot of times they are somewhat fearless and they will take risks that that someone who's older may not take. You know, because of where they are in life and everything. But but to your to your other point that I think is a valid one is like even even let's say an exact target where, where Scott Dorsey was such an incredible leader and you know Chris Baggett there and and Peter McCormick, Scott McCorkle, Tim you know, um, cop, you know, just, these are incredible people, talented people, period. However, you know, the rapid scale of their company at that time compared to nobody else on the market, which put them in such a prominent position. So, you know, if you took all of that talent today and tried to remake exact target, it wouldn't work because, we're farther down the road, you know, and, and, and I think that's something that's lost a lot of times on, on tech companies is that, yeah, as, as great as you are and maybe as wealthy you are and uh, how you cashed in and everything else, sometimes it was just a matter of being at the right place at the right time with the right solution, not, not, not pulling credit from you. You did it. But, but I w- the other one I always tell people is, uh, I saw a quote the other day and it said, um, Beware of people that tell you don't don't make the journey when they've never left home or something like that. You know, and I always tell people that the people that I respect in my life from a business standpoint are those people that have two big wins. I mean, they they made like not two, not one and one and a half wins, 
but they they took something from idea to solution once and then they did it again with and when i see those people that's when i'm like that's a person that i want to tune into and talk to because they were able to replicate what Absolutely. what they did right and and especially if those two things that they did right were in different industries oh, or yeah. that yeah. that is the mark of somebody who really knows what they're doing hey like so, insurance and security <laughs> <laughs> there you, yeah or shameless. well you but you're shameless but, you're, but no th- i mean that's a good point you, like you bring the same excitement and uh person-to-person approach to both of those businesses mm-hmm. you figured out what worked with insurance and you're applying it directly in this in your, the industry so there no there's merit there absolutely sure Joe, compare and contrast the leadership styles that you learned at, at West Point with um, the Ross Perot approach to leadership. Were they, I'm imagining they were somewhat consistent, but probably not identical. What would be some of those differences and uh, any judgments you would have about the pros and cons? Uh, sure. So it's I, I, I like that question because... It was a perfect first civilian step for me um, to, you know, where I am now, you know, with, you know, I, I, the, the, the company that I work for, you know, in my day job is a software company. And, you know, in Tampa, you know, flip-flops are not uncommon, you know, office attire at this place, right? <laughs> Go coming from bit shined you know west point guy right <laughs> and and so it the reason why i like the question is it was a it was a great in between step because there were especially in where i was in that future leader program it was a lot of you know former military officers it's about 90% former military officers in that program and so it was a lot of stuff that I could very easily recognize, identify with, you know, adapt, maybe, you know, a little in minor tweaks, kind of adapt my style and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I like to say, so, so I was, I was working on a DevOps project, uh, recently for a big four, uh, firm. And I, I actually said in a meeting one time, I, I said, I said I, I've uh, I've been in charge of military units in a uh, shall we say forward deployed scenario where there were slightly more dire consequences than if we pushed this little old release back away, <laughs> yeah. you know, and your software doesn't launch, you know, when you thought it would or something like that, right? So, so it 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 it, it gives me so what I like to think, right, and I'm. If we had some people here that have worked for me over the years, they might hopefully hopefully most of them would agree, right? Is is to just like anyone, and I maybe I have more of a diversity of experience, right? Yeah. But everyone should be kind of just a great, you know, stew of all these experiences of, that that they have had, but just kind of marry up that fact of yes, I've had much more dire consequences to my action or much more particularly my inaction yeah uh in the face of you know adversity right. yeah. in the form of ak-47s and and tanks and whatnot right um 
slightly more dire consequences than than a, you know software product not releasing or stuff like that but also being able to understand what's important at the particular time and how and why and being able to um one of the things that i like to harp on right is is don't everyone it's a buzzword and everyone always say says you know yeah don't invent the reinvent the wheel well don't reinvent the wheel with yourself right allow yourself right yeah every situation is different every person's different every relationship is different but maybe not different different like you're in a situation or you're sitting there in a meeting with a guy and you're like you know what if you've been around enough like uh you know harry and doug you and myself be like you know what this guy is two parts you know that one guy that i used to know three parts that other guy that i used to know and one part that really volatile son of a bitch that <laughs> yeah. i worked with you know way back when so here's what i'll not say to him here's what i'll say to him here's what i'll say it here's how i'll handle him here's how i'll do that so you know you're not like i said you're not reinventing the wheel but you're not trying to pigeonhole a guy or cookie cutter approach either and that's why i think you have to just embrace uh not just the diversity like everyone is doing of your team and your group and everything else embrace the diversity of yourself and where you've been and what you've seen and help that inform your leadership style and take it back to the question harry that that's why the parole of having a having a mix of it's probably more like 80 20 80 percent former military like-minded lockstep group think you know morons like myself and then some other people that absolutely would not under any circumstances respond to that type of leadership that type of language that type of anything you know and and just kind of over the years hopefully my style kind of shifting where it's much more focused on, on the other side of, you know, managing civilians. And at, if, if your team, there's another philosophical thing, right? But if your team is built out properly, right? And you have the, the onion approach to the organization and there's enough layers that you're not trying to manage 50 direct reports, which is yeah. just insane. Yeah. Everyone should have a manageable number of direct reports such that you absolutely could draw on your diversity and if and when applicable have have or apply a different leadership style to each person right have a different leadership style for the same dude after lunch and before lunch yeah just, i mean just because it's a different thing yeah because you have that small group you have that once again here we are relationship of knowing what that guy or gal is and what they'll respond to and knowing you know what this is something that they're not passionate about i can use language like f no yeah. do it that way whatever or no i've i've i know that this guy's super passionate about this or i've I, you know i can tell that he is you know what let me use one of one of, one of the things in my leadership toolbox right. of you know Telling him what to do, but having him in the back of his mind think, did I come up with that? This is my did idea. I come, yeah, did yeah, I come up yeah. with that or did, did, did Joe tell me to do that? Right. right? And that's, that's when you, like I said, and that, that's one of the things I really like to, to, to harp on is, is through um, 
that type of organizational structure, as well as the culture and personalities and everything else, is building out what I like to call the the a culture of empowerment, right? Yeah. And it and um, since you did it, I will shamelessly <laughs> self promote. Yeah. And say uh, you can go out to my blog. It's Mac twenty four x seven twenty four by seven dot com. Um, I wrote a, a blog post about. I call it the the not so magic quadrant of leadership, right? Kind of like a Gartner magic quadrant of uh, responsibility uh, on one axis and um, accountability on the other. Yep. Basically, and it was like, and I put these headings on there, and basically, you know, to, to give to put somebody uh, in charge. Right. But then just tell them what to do all the time, you know, is not going to get you right. the results. Right. Right. You kind of kind of need both. They need, they need to have the responsibility of being on the blame line. Right. And they also need to have the autonomy to make their own decisions and see them through. Yeah. Right. And in weak leadership of of getting in people's business and not letting subordinate leaders be empowered to solve their own problems. And that's. Yep. It's harsh, but there's no other word for it, right? I call it weak leadership of, of getting in there. That's that's one of those things like uh, like trust, right? You can build all all this leadership and great stuff in it, and then as soon as you do the wrong thing one time, it's like... It's gone. I, the, the, it, because it's based on a relationship and respect, it, it falls in that category of, you know, six months of hard work gone in five minutes, and it's going to take you at least that six months again to get back to that point with that person or that team or that group or, you know, that vendor, that client, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, uh, one of the things that you touch on that I want to reiterate to you is, is when you give people the autonomy, when you give them the opportunities to succeed, you're often surprised by what they're able to accomplish too. And that's, that's, you know, definitely, you know, through my business, you know, the, people that I've been lucky enough to work with, Jen being one of them, you know, is, is that, uh, Jen came from an environment before me where she was told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Why wasn't she doing it right? You know, all of those things. And when she came to me, I didn't have time to, to, to babysit. I was like, no, just do it. You know? And she was like, uh, <laughs> you know, and guess what she did? She did it and she did an amazing job. And so I never, I didn't have to supervise. I didn't, you know, and so I always tell people, man, when you give people the room to succeed, nobody, one, nobody really wants to fail. There's very few people that, that want to do a bad job, you know? Uh, but the other is oftentimes you're really surprised at the talent that you have internal that you never even knew existed. And if you would have told them what to do every five seconds, you would have never seen what they're capable of. Absolutely. And the key too, so it's not, it's not you know fire and forget either, right? And it's yeah. not hands off, and it, and you're you're ultimately in charge of what you're in charge of, also, right? right? So the the way that I like to explain it, right, is uh, the woodshed is not off limits. Yeah. You know, the woodshed <laughs> counseling is abs. I'm putting that on the table <laughs> of my relationship with you, subordinate yeah. leader. But yeah. you know what? There's only two people ever allowed in the woodshed at any point in time. Yeah. Right, that that's the whole you know praise in public, criticize yeah. in private, right. kind of thing. So yeah, I'll I'll take you to the woodshed and you will hurt for a week. Yeah, afterwards, right? Yeah. But 
when the when we come walking out of the woodshed, we'll be arm in arm and yeah. unified front to the troops and all that stuff. Right. right? So, so it's it, it it it's um, I hate to sound like a consultant, right? But it's situationally dependent. Yeah. And it really is. It depends. There's a reason why it depends is very often the right answer because yeah. guess what? It depends. Yeah. And if you are in tune enough and relationship focused enough, right? That that's where that's it. it, it it's not. Yeah, it's more art than science, but you know, it's not rocket surgery either, right? It, yeah. it, it, you keep coming back to the same rocket surgery. Themes. That's yeah. a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I use that one all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. do a mashup between rocket science and brain surgery. <laughs> Joe, as we wrap up, uh, maybe make a couple of comments about today's environment where we've got remote workers, people working virtually, and how a manager interacts in that situation. You shared with us a minute ago, you're working with a company in Tampa, and so you're obviously um, have a lot of firsthand experience. What What are your thoughts, ad, advice to managers, people who are in their leadership position who have people working for them virtually? Uh, sure. I'll make it simple. I'll, and, and it's, you know, it's the old, you know, real estate, right? Location, location, location. In this particular case, just like any other uh, leadership challenge, communication, 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 right? I, and I have a, I'll, I'll, I know I've kind of, in case you can't tell, I like to talk. Um, well, that's but that's why I started a podcast. If, if, we, <laughs> if we were doing a silent movie, it wouldn't have gone over yes. so well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't want to just be looking at us. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but I, so I, I worked for um, I worked for a very small boutique uh, business intelligence firm, and they had household name clients: uh, Univision, Wall Street Journal, Yahoo, that kind of thing. And when I took over, I was process guy. They were, it was all offshore, everything. All the, all the worker bees were offshore, right? And, and um, they could, they basically said, well, we need your process expertise because we can only have a few of these going at any given point in time. But throw some process at it and maybe we can have more than three. Get up to, get up to some, that magic repeatable process where we could have X number of these going at any given point in time. And it was the, the way that I like to explain it, right? And it is, it's this, it's the, re, the communication that is required in extremis. But yeah. if you want to know if something makes sense, extend it out to the ridiculous, right? Yeah. Good, good life lesson there. Pro tip. Uh, but I had these guys that, that were working for me on all of these different projects that were in Belarus, and I had to, at 10 p.m. every night, start composing emails to all of the project managers, all of the lead DBAs, and all of the lead developers on all six projects. Then, at midnight, I would send them. And I'd get a nap. At 2 o'clock, they would clock in. So I'd wake up at 1.50, get ready, and then I'd hit them all on, um, I think it was Yahoo Instant Messenger back then. And I hit them all and say, did you read my email? Yeah. Yes. What are your questions? No questions. Okay. And, 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 <laughs> and, it's, and it's very interesting, right? And, and just, a, just 
as happened with everybody that was offshoring stuff, yeah. you know, there were issues with quality, right? And how did I solve that? Communication, communication, communication. The emails that I sent my first week compared to the emails that I sent, you know, the last week yeah. before I left that company, much more, you will, you will not, I will see, I will not see. And I would sign off with all of those Yahoo Instant Messenger conversations like, just to reiterate, yeah. when I wake up in five hours, I'm going to see, bing, 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 yes, sir. And then, you know, how come <laughs> I asked for A through G, where's F? I don't see F in here. Well, we had whatever, whatever. And it's like, uh, did you know about that beforehand? Or did you have any reasonable expectation that you might know about that beforehand? We, yes. Then you kind of lied to me at 2 o'clock. When I said, am I going to have A through G? Yeah. And you said yes. So it, it's, it's, like I said, it, it's hmm. leave, leave the woodshed option available, yeah. right? But, well, but communication is, is the real, it, it, of all, all the other tools, yeah. we'll come back to communication. Even building the relationship, well, that's mm -hmm. communication too. Even the counseling, even the tough discussions, even the giving somebody the gift card in front of everybody because they had the best widget. Yeah coding and history that's communication too it's it all comes, kind of comes back to it you know whenever i uh share as as a consultant when i team building i like to use the patrick lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team as a model but i add to it that component because you know when you got trust up here with character competence and chemistry i believe i add communication in there because that's where the teardown is in all those other areas yeah. Yeah. and i and i'm like this is what leads to the conflict and the lack of accountability. The problem is because of communication. And so that's like, I draw a big circle around that and you know share that with people that, you know, because a lot of times it's not a character issue. I didn't lie to you. I thought when you said this, you meant this or vice versa. Uh, and so having a, like you said, choosing whether it's, you know, woodshed conversation or whether it was, you know, they, you, it was a misunderstanding. You gotta have, you know, you get to those woodshed moments after like three misunderstandings yeah. <laughs> or something, however many it is. But I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, I, I push people really hard to on the communication side, less words, less words, the better. Like, just say it. Don't try to yeah, dance around it. Just say it. it. Around e it. Oh, yeah. the economy of words, yeah. especially in yeah. corporate email. Yeah. Don't get me started. Well, and sometimes people, they, you know, there's a, there's a fake perception in your own mind on how somebody is going to receive that message. So the fake perception is they're going to be upset or they're going to be angry or they're going to be this or they're going to be that. All of that's fake. It's all in your head. None of that is the reality of, of the situation, you know. And so uh, what I tend to see people do is they start writing an apology when there was no apology necessary or they're trying to explain. Let me give three back reasons here. We, you didn't need three back reasons. You know, wait for that to be asked or whatever. And so I t tell people, like, a lot of times I start with, a, you know, four sentences and then I break it down to two sentences, and then I write back, no. Well, that's it. <laughs> you know? well, and a, it's just, it didn't need anything else. Stop <laughs> it, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and, and it's the military communication yeah. uh, motto of the bottom line up front, right? It, it's, it's, it's fine, but it, if I get an email from you, and there's an ask in there, yeah. and I've got to look for it, yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, 
Right. Please. Stop making me search. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I tell you, I often share with the military, I often uh, tell people that one of the best things about the military was that they taught you how to listen first. You know, and that's that every order, every order, no matter who you are, what what branch you are. Harry knows this, too, is is someone tells you an order. You repeat that order back <laughs> to acknowledge that you have received the order appropriately. Then you go do the order and then you go tell them the order has been delivered. You know, and I always tell people that it was an incredible exercise because the first thing it taught you was to listen. <laughs> because a lot of times we tell people to do things and they think they thought you meant this and they went and did something else. And you're like, no, that's not what I asked so, for. You well, know, that's the, and think about, <laughs> think about all the, all the applicable in technology buzzwords that can be applied yes. to what you just said, right? Yeah. Was there, was there a, an implicit Contract, yes. Was there a definition of done? Yes. Yeah. There are metrics, yes. Yeah. You either delivered it or you didn't to the specifications, right? Right. Was and was there a feedback loop? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it it, it meets all the qualifications, right. but you know, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to have a drum circle to make it happen, right? <laughs> yeah. It was it was just it. It was to bring it back to the other. It was a it was a ten word email. You know, here's yeah. what I need: who, what, why, where, when. That's it. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then, in the perfect world, you send it to a guy. He's swamped. He clearly communicates. Can't do it. If you need it from me, it'll be next week. Yeah. If not, you know, go ask for exactly. And, and exactly. It, and, and you get bogged down into. Uh, it's kind of kind of very weird to hear Doug Carr and Joe Mack sitting here agreeing on this that less words is better but we are and and it it, it you know it, it gets get back it's one of the key tenets of communication of of being clear and concise yeah. and getting your message across yep. well that's a good closer thank you and uh once again uh joe mac 24 x7 m-a-c-k 24 x7 oh so no joe just no, no. Okay. Mac24x7.com okay. is the blog. Um, that first part, Mac24x7, is also my social media. Handle. Awesome. And uh, and uh, people interested in hiring you, obviously, they can go to that site and see what kind of services you offer and everything else. Uh, yeah, there's links out to, to just about everything except my day job. Okay. Um, and I'm obviously, I'll help anybody I can. And yeah. if it's something that you need help with that is you know large enough that that my company that I work for, you know, during the daytime, yep. uh, that company, I'll go ahead and uh, wrap them here a little bit. It's yeah. agile thought. Um, both those words together, all one word.com. Uh, it's based out of Tampa, but we're a custom dev shop that is, uh, we specialize in Microsoft technologies and agile delivery methodology. Awesome. Ben, plug yourself one more time. Uh, been with Zynga Security, Zynga'sHome.com, um, Zynga'sSecurity.com, both of those places. And uh, just happy to be a fly on the wall listening to you guys. And, and of course, Harry, always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry with How Leadership. You can find me at HowLeadership.com. Awesome. Great, great podcast this week. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thank you. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. 
Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.